0: Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Jonathan uh, and together with my wife Tanya, we planted a vineyard church on City's Northern Beaches, which we call Center Point Vineyard. We've got some of the crew here this morning visiting as well. Um, it's, it's great to be back, actually. I, I came uh, what, about a year ago, I think, um, to teach on becoming naturally supernatural people. And I've known Ben for a few years. We're in a, a pastor's support group together, which sounds a little bit melodramatic when you put it like that. But basically, we just talk about all the pain that our congregations have caused us. That's a joke. No, we're just cheering each other on, really, so it's really good to be here. Um, My daughter, Blakely, she's around, but she's three. She's been talking for about 12 months about, can we please come back to Greenhouse Church? So it's awesome to be with you guys. Um, Finishing or rounding off your Lent series on prayer, and I believe you've been going through the acronym of PRAY, P-R-A-Y, pausing, rejoicing, asking, and then this week, we're finishing off with yes, giving our yes to Jesus, and I want to frame that in the sense of listening to Him and then stepping out in obedience. And so I've titled this message: "Yes, Jesus speaks to you." The comedian Lily Tomlin, uh, she once famously said, "Why is it when we talk to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic." And I think that quote sums up the misconception that many of us have. About the concept of prayer. See, prayer is not a one way monologue to God, it's an ongoing two way dialogue with the Lord Jesus who loves us. And so I want to focus really practically this morning on listening to his voice and then stepping out. And I want to do that by unpacking with you the incredibly precious gift of the Holy Spirit known as prophecy. Eugene Peterson, you might know him, he um, wrote the message version of the Bible, but he suggests that prayer takes place in the middle voice. So in grammar, if you're in the active voice, you're the one who is actioning something. And if you're in the passive voice, you're the one who is being acted upon. But Christian prayer takes place in the middle voice. So we're not offering up chants or rituals to try and manipulate God into doing something. And we're not simply sitting back passively saying, oh, well, whatever will be, will be. What we're doing in the middle voice is we're both acting and being acted upon at the same time. So in the middle voice, the subject, which is us, participates in the action initiated by someone else, which is our Lord Jesus. So we neither do it nor have it done to us. We participate in what is willed. And I think that is a genius summary of Christian prayer and the Christian life. It's always in the middle voice. Jesus himself, he gave us an insight into how he did ministry and how he did life. And he actually did that. And he explains it in John 5.19. He says, very truly I tell you, that's kind of Jesus' way of saying, listen up. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. And then later in John 12.49, he says this, for I do not speak of my own initiative, But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. So Jesus' approach in ministering the kingdom was to place himself in the middle voice, to only do what he saw the Father doing and to only speak the words that his Father gave him to speak. So initiated by the Father and then responded to by the Son. So Jesus' life was a life of prayer in the middle voice. He was both acting and being acted upon. He was the participant of the will of the Father. Now, I wonder what it would look like if we began to see Jesus as more than simply a good moral teacher, but as our model for faith and practice in the Christian life. If we apprenticed ourselves to him as a disciple to learn from him how to do what he did. Because when you read the New Testament, it's pretty obvious that his followers, his disciples, and the apostles, they made pretty key decisions following the prophetic initiation of the Holy Spirit. So, for example, Ananias, while praying, he got a prophetic vision of the Lord telling him to go and pray for Saul, who later became Paul. That's Acts 9. Peter, while praying, gets a prophetic vision about food. And Cornelius, who is a Gentile, while praying, gets an angelic visitation to go and get Peter. And the Gentiles enter the church. That's Acts 10. Paul and Barnabas, they're called prophetically on a missionary journey. That's Acts 13. Paul, when praying, gets a prophetic vision of a Macedonian man, which totally changed the direction of his missionary journey, and he heads into Macedonia. That's Acts 16. The list goes on and on and on. All these are examples of the disciples and the apostles placing themselves in the middle voice, responsive to the Holy Spirit for the advancement of the kingdom. And in today's context, the gifts of the Spirit are the key ways that we can help place ourselves in that middle voice of prayer, because they're about partnership with the Holy Spirit. We respond to His initiation with our wills, and we participate in what He wills. Wayne Grudem, he's a systematic theologian. He defines a prophetic this way. It's spontaneous revelation from God, delivered in human words, for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. More colloquially, he defines it as telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So prophecy, we can define it like this overarching banner that includes a lot of the different revelatory gifts of the Spirit. Basically, a lot of the common ways that God will speak to his people. So, for example, it might include words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of encouragement, interpretation, as well as things like dreams, visions, pictures, all of which we see in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, when writing to the Corinthian church, he puts it like this 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So, Paul clearly holds a pretty high regard for the gifts of the Spirit. And puts an emphasis on seeking the prophetic. He goes on, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or encourages themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies or encourages or builds up the church. And that is the primary purpose of the gift of the Holy Spirit, including prophecy. For encouragement. It puts courage into people. I remember it was a few years ago, but I was having coffee with a church leader. Um, I knew him a little bit, but not particularly well. And uh, during the coffee, he just sort of started to share with me what he was reflecting on in the car on the way over. He was reflecting on uh, the Palm Sunday passage where the disciples go and get the cult that Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem on. And he says, I don't know, it just came to mind. But I wonder if you perhaps feel like that colt that's been tied up. You're looking around, all the other donkeys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're pulling carts, they're pushing logs. But you're just there watching and waiting. And I think the Lord wants to say what the disciples said to the man who owned the donkey. The Lord has need for you. And as he was sharing that with me, I just began to weep in that coffee shop because that's exactly how I was feeling. And that little biblical prophetic word, word of encouragement, literally put courage in me in a season of pretty hard perseverance to push through and to continue being faithful in what the Lord had called me to do. And that is an example of a prophetic word. It's a literal gift of grace from the Holy Spirit. There's a great moment in the Old Testament in the book of the prophet Haggai, where the exiles, they'd returned from Babylon to Jerusalem, and they begin rebuilding, and they encountered a fair bit of opposition. And it says this, And the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, I am with you, says the Lord. Now, that's a pretty simple prophetic word. Haggai places himself in the middle voice. God initiates. Haggai responds and shares the word of prophecy. And the result is the people are encouraged. But I want you just to place yourself in that circumstance for a moment. How would that simple little prophetic word make you feel? You've been working hard, you're not getting anywhere, making no progress, you're about to give up, and then someone comes along with a pretty simple prophetic word and just says, hey, the Lord is with you. It will put courage into you, right? Place it in today's context. Imagine you're about to go into a pretty significant work meeting and someone from Greenhouse, your church family, sends you a text Hey, I was just praying and I just felt to text you, God is with you this morning. How would that make you feel? Would it put courage into you? we well, you're about to go into surgery and someone calls you up right before you go in. Hey, I was just praying with my coffee this morning. Um, don't know why. You just came to mind. I just thought I wanted to call you and just to remind you that the Lord is with you. That would encourage you, right? It would edify. It would build you up. That is the role of prophecy. The other thing that prophecy does is it often acts like divine highlighter. So you're in a circumstance in your life, or you're thinking about something, maybe it's a job change or a role change, and you're wondering, is the Lord leading me in this? Is this Jesus, or is this just me? And then someone gives you a prophetic word, a simple prophetic word, that is kind of of like God's highlighter. This isn't just you. This is the Lord's will to continue to pursue it. It puts strength and encouragement into you. The prophetic also helps us pray more effectively. I sometimes wonder if we don't see more breakthrough of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives because we don't pray specifically enough. But when we begin by asking Jesus, what are you already doing, Lord? Placing ourselves in the middle voice so that we can partner with him in blessing that, I wonder if we'll see more of the kingdom break into our present scenario. And that really is the role of Another gift of the Spirit under a prophetic banner called words of knowledge. Again, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. And words of knowledge, they're kind of like spontaneous revelations from God about what he wants to do specifically for an individual, information that you couldn't have known. And as you speak it out, it's like you're partnering with the Holy Spirit in what he's doing, and his kingdom, the rule and reign of God, is then demonstrated in the room in that person's life. And we're going to actually try that in a little bit and see what the Lord wants to say to us. But I want to chat about how do we pursue this stuff in a really helpful way, because I'm aware that for some of you, anxiety might be rising, Um, and that's, to be honest, fair enough. You know, some of us have shied away from pursuing the precious gifts of the Holy Spirit because, to be honest, we've seen the excesses in that. You know, we've seen perhaps some of the inauthentic, perhaps the white suits or the skinny jeans and pointed shoes, maybe. And we've also potentially witnessed some of the manipulation that's followed when people have been apparently operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it's really interesting, I think, when you read Scripture, because Paul, he writes this to the Thessalonians. He says, do not despise prophecy. Now, why would we be tempted to despise prophecy? Why would Paul even write that? Well, because I think, like some of us, Paul probably saw the twisting of the precious gifts of the Holy Spirit... Because he previously planted a church in Corinth, which is where we get 1 and 2 Corinthians from, letters to that church. And it was an absolute mess. If you think the modern church is a mess, you should just read 1 and 2 Corinthians. They were in a bit of a state because they were manipulating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what I find really interesting is, as a pastor, I would probably write, guys, you should not do this. Just steer clear of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because it's, you, you, you're messing it all up. But he doesn't write that. He actually writes, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And you're like, what? So the answer can't be to take our nail scissors to our New Testament and snip out every reference to the movement of the Holy Spirit, because there would not be much of our New Testament left. The answer, instead, is to embrace the precious ministry of the Holy Spirit, but just do it in a really healthy, or as my tradition, the vineyard often terms it, a naturally supernatural way. So we don't need to start shouting into microphones, we don't need to start pushing people over, taking big offerings, we can just be ourselves, wait on the Holy Spirit, and respond when he speaks, place ourselves in the middle voice. And which we'll find he begins to do pretty regularly when we start to give him the time and space to do so. So how do we do that? How do we actually place ourselves in the middle voice in a naturally supernatural, really healthy way? Well, growing in hearing God speak, I think is rooted in intimacy with him. I've heard it once say that God shouts to his enemies, but he whispers to his friends. It's like he beckons us closer 1 Kings describes his voice as the still small voice. It's the whisper. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. It's not in the wind. It's the still small voice. And I find often the Holy Spirit will speak to people through their thoughts and their feelings. See, a lot of people think that we kind of need to work ourselves up into a bit of a frenzy in order to hear from God. But I actually find it works the complete opposite. We just dial ourselves down, create some space, we start to pay attention to that still small voice, the whisper through our thoughts and our feelings. We don't have to get all religious and intense. Just ask Jesus to speak and then pay attention to the thoughts that start to come to mind. And as you step out and you offer those in a really healthy way, you start to grow in working out which thoughts are yours and which thoughts sound more like God's. So sometimes people will get just a Bible verse that drops into the back of their mind. Sometimes it's a Bible character or a Bible story. Sometimes I find um, it might be like a, a picture, kind of in your mind's eye, like in your imagination. Often arty people tend to get pictures, um, and those pictures are often metaphors. So you, you then ask the Lord, well, what's that picture actually mean, or what's that represent for somebody? Um, I, my biology... Uh, sorry, my major in undergraduate was biology, And I spent a lot of time in anatomy textbooks for a number of years. And so I find that the way that the Lord sometimes speaks to me is I get a picture almost like a page of an anatomy textbook in my mind's eye of a body part that sometimes the Lord is saying there's someone here in the room that has the particular injury in that part and he would like to heal. So that's just kind of God using some of my story to speak to me in the everyday. Sometimes it might be like a random sentence or a song lyric that you're reminded of. Sometimes it's a literal dream in your sleep. Sometimes people feel it in their body, in their physical body. Um, It hasn't happened to me, but I've got friends that they walk into a room and all of a sudden they'll have pain in their right shoulder. And it's like, gosh, didn't have any pain before. And then it's like the Holy Spirit whispers, that's because there's someone here that has pain in their right shoulder that we want to pray for, for healing. Sometimes you just sort of know something, like you would know your phone number. It's like, how do I know that? I just sort of do. Um, It doesn't happen very often to me, but I have had a few occasions. One, I was in a gathering just like this, and a, a young guy walked past me, and I hadn't ever met him before, never seen him, and I just knew he'd been dropped from his rugby team, but if he allowed the Lord to use that experience, the Lord was gonna grow him in leadership. So that particular bit of knowledge allowed me to pray really specifically for him, and he experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's what words of knowledge do. There are numerous ways that God speaks to his people. What I think is important is that we realize God wants you to learn to hear voice. John says, sheep know their shepherd's voice. So he's going to quietly speak to you, often in the same way in your quiet times, In a consistent manner until you begin to recognize that sounds like the voice of God. And then you can really humbly offer that to somebody if you feel it's for somebody in the room. So let's say you're praying for someone. It might be before a gathering or during a gathering, and you get a little thought and you think, oh, gosh, perhaps that might be Jesus. Which, to be honest, is the most clarity I ever get. It's always risking with Jesus. But you can test that word before you just blurt it out. And there's three little tests that I like to use when sifting a prophetic word. Firstly, is it biblical? So is it in line with Scripture? Because God will never speak in contradiction to his written word. Is it biblical? Second, is it in line with God's character? Does it sound like something Jesus might say? He's a loving father. Does it sound like something a loving father would say to a child? So Jesus doesn't condemn us or shame us. So if it sounds like that, it's probably just the pizza that you ate last night. You can just chuck it in the bin. Thirdly, is it fruitful? Is it strengthening, encouraging, and comforting? When when we're using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to become fruit inspectors. So does it lead us or that person towards love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians? And if it's not loving or it's not kind, perhaps don't share it. Just chuck it in the bin. So is it biblical? Is it in line with God's character? And is it an expression of the fruit of the Spirit? And if it is all those things, then you can go ahead and share that word. Now, listen to me on this point. None of us our Elijah's or Jeremiah's or Ezekiel's, none of us hear right 100% of the time. We all have our L plates on when we're ministering in the Spirit. Always. We're always learning and growing. Oh, even Benj. I've seen him give off prophetic words. I can tell you he's learning. <laughs> I'm joking, mate. But that means that we just use our everyday language. We don't have to say, thus saith the Lord in like old King James English. Or I see a vision of wheels within wheels, within wheels, within... No one speaks like that. So just speak like you would normally speak to somebody if you're in a coffee shop. Just say, hey, like, I could be wrong. Sometimes I'm wrong. Often I'm wrong. But I just wonder, just had this random thought, could that be Jesus speaking to you? Allow that person to say, no, actually, it doesn't really resonate with me. But thanks for trying. As long as you offer it with the fruit of the Spirit in kindness and in love, at worst, it's a blessed thought, which can still be an encouragement to somebody. I used to hold off giving words of prophecy or words of knowledge in case it was just me. I used to think, oh, it could just be me, so I won't share it. But now I choose to step in and to give a prophetic word or a word of knowledge in case it's God. Because if it's God somebody's life can get changed. And that is worth the risk of looking a little bit foolish. And as long as you do it in a really healthy, natural way, at worst, it's just an encouraging thought that you shared with somebody. So we all make mistakes when we're trying to step out and grow in this stuff, and that's okay. But that means that when someone shares a prophetic word with you, they might be making a mistake. That's okay. So you can just use the same tests if someone shares something with you. Is it biblical? Is it in line with God's character? Does it lead me towards the fruit of the Spirit? And if not, just thank them and then chuck it in the bin. I like to use what I've heard called the roast chicken rule. So you eat the meat and you spit out the bones, if someone shares a word with you. Take on board what really resonates with your Spirit, what's building you up and encouraging you, and the rest you can just leave off to the side. I want to wrap up because I want to create a bit of space for us to step into this together. But to finish off, let's, let's learn to be people like Jesus who place ourselves in the middle voice of prayer. Who allow ourselves to both act and be acted upon by the Holy Spirit. Following his initiation, the initiation of the Father. And then stepping out in order to encourage and to bless the church. Is that cool?